This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUreview.com and on your favorite podcast app. On the mean streets of Gotham City, a new breed of supervillains emerges. But deep in the shadows, old school justice awaits. And the Batman, the Cape Crusader, returns in an all-new animated series. The Batman. You will even see it coming. This is it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome, everybody, to episode 280 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, and Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our social media account. He's feeling a little bit under the weather, but he's playing through the pain. It's Liam. <laughs> Liam, welcome to episode 280 of the DCAU Review. Last week, we had our DCAU Character Spotlight episode featuring John Jones, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. the Martian Manhunter. And uh, with this being the fifth Saturday of the month, that, of course, means we are taking a trip around the multiverse and checking out some Elseworlds tales. And since we were already talking about the Justice League this month, we were talking about Martian Manhunter, we figured, hey, why not uh, check out an an alternate version of uh, the Manhunter from Mars? And uh, we found one. And uh, we will be checking it out this week on a uh, familiar, but uh, I think not, not too, too familiar. We haven't reviewed too many episodes of it an underappreciated series as we visit a different else world this week that's right so we have a uh, another episode of the batman uh to review this week and this was uh really as as we'll get to this is the this show's first uh steps into the larger dc universe as a whole as uh it's basically just uh we had been confined to just the the Gotham City cast of characters of heroes and villains, but uh, as we'll get to here, this is the uh, the first step into a a much larger world. To uh, to mix my nerd metaphors here, <laughs> indeed, there we go. And of course, before we get into breaking down, we are just reviewing uh, part one of the joining this week, and uh, we will be tackling part two next week. So mm-hmm. we're splitting up the two parts. Uh, we're uh, evening things out here. We'll give some scores for our opinions on this episode, but our final scores, our general overall uh, category scores will be figured out next week. Uh, not necessarily uh, balanced out between our two scores. It won't be an exact average of our scores for each part, but uh, we'll figure out final scores next week. But we will provide our uh, our general scores this week for this episode, at least. And of course, before we get into our breakdown of this episode, we will, of course, get the official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode, which is brought to you by, as it always is, The Pod Tower. Head over to YouTube.com slash The Pod Tower today. We invite you to subscribe especially if you are a fan of dc animation and podcasts that discuss dc animation specifically the dc animated universe that's probably why you're listening to this podcast but uh, there's some great content there from the folks at tim talk their entire podcast library is there as well as the jump on the bat wagon podcast from the fine folks at watchtower database as well as our entire catalog all available in one stream convenient place on youtube head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower and subscribe today that's right this is the synopsis for the joining part one which is written by jane espenson and doug petrie directed by anthony chun with music by thomas chase and animation by dong Wu. and that synopsis reads as such John Jones, a new officer in Gotham, claims to know the true identity of Batman. Batman must learn whether the officer is an ally or not. Uh, I, I don't think they quite covered. So, so, so two, I'll say two things. One, 
I barely had to do the voice this week because I'm uh, <laughs> my, face, my, my face is full of snot. Uh, and two, uh, yeah, that's not that's not really what happens. It is a uh, it is a small portion of what happens, but it certainly is not the the lead. They buried the lead significantly. I would say incomplete. This gets an an incomplete grade for me. Agreed. Uh, not not the finest. This episode, by the way, originally airing here in the States on the Kids WB back on April the 28th, 2007, uh, meaning uh, we are coming up here on the 16-year anniversary of this episode's original air date. Uh, so, Liam, we, as uh, we get into the episode, we open things up and uh, we see... Uh, I, I don't think we've covered too many episodes. We have covered the Robin episode. So we, we've seen the episode with Robin being introduced. I don't recall too many episodes, if any, that we've covered that involved Batgirl being introduced. She got introduced during the fourth season or third season of this series. Correct. Yes. Uh, a trivia note for those. Actually, they introduced uh, Batgirl first on this show because mm-hmm. at the time Robin was tied up in the Teen Titans animated series and as we've talked about over the years, DC is uh, and Warner Brothers are kind of uh, a little stingy about letting characters appear in uh, multiple series that are running concurrently. As as we've talked about with things like the Bat Villain embargo and things like that over the years, so uh, Robin kind of a victim of that. But it did uh, it did give uh, this series a chance to spotlight Batgirl a little bit more uh, before bringing Robin in in this uh, this. That's right. Uh, but uh, the episode, so we do see that this, uh, that Batgirl will be a port, uh, an important part of this episode, as will Robin. But we open things up at a, uh, a Wayne technology uh, uh, warehouse where they're creating some, some brand new forms of technology. And we get introduced uh, to Morgan Freeman. I mean, uh, Lucius <laughs> Fox, who uh, this is apparently his first appearance in this series as well. And uh, he does visually, we, we can mention that and maybe talk a little bit more later in visuals, but does visually appear to look like they based him on uh, his uh, his appearances in the Nolan verse, which uh, would have been happening right in or around this time. I was going to say, yeah, smack dab in the middle of that. Uh... So maybe some some corporate synergy. Maybe there was a oh, corporate yeah. mandate similar to uh, the the mandates that were done for the Batman, the animated series to make this character uh, ring true to the live action version. Mm-hmm. Or uh, maybe it was just uh, that the writers and the uh, the directors were big fans of the Nolan verse, which quite frankly, who isn't? But uh, yes, Lucius Fox is introduced. Not only is he the technological guru and working uh, hands-on at uh, in Wayne Tech development, but uh, we learn very quickly that he actually is uh, well aware, just as he is in the Nolan verse, that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Well, I guess in the Nolan verse, they he doesn't ever explicitly come out. It's like he knows, but doesn't doesn't want to say that he knows. And he and Bruce just sort of acknowledge that he is Batman without acknowledging it verbally here. It's clear as day. He makes it very clear <laughs> young Dick Grayson that he is aware of, uh, of his, uh, his dual identity as both Batman and Robin. And after uh, Robin tries to make some convenient excuses, Bruce fully admits it in front of him uh, to Lucius that of course, that he is Batman and that Lucius is well aware as they kind of review whatever technology is being worked on here, this project at, uh, at the Wayne technology. You have a great view from your office, Mr. Fox. Call me Lucius. And I agree. I never get tired of watching the process. Everyone working together like that. All those people. It's like a giant machine. More like an efficient team. One Bruce hardly needs to worry about. It's what makes the other part of his life possible. You mean the other part of his life in which he appears at museum dedications and fashion shows. I mean fighting crime. You mean fighting crimes of fashion? Dick, he knows I'm the Batman. (laughs) I was a close friend of Bruce's father. After the tragedy, I was happy to offer what little help I could. It was more than a little. Lucius helped construct the Batcave. And on the rare occasions he lets me, I get to lend a hand with some of the Bat gadgets. (laughs) I do love tinkering with the Bat's shadow tech. Oh, well then, yay. So we're just throwing around words that start with bat now. That's fine. Lucius, you clearly have the factory running as smoothly as ever. I don't know why I even bother with these visits. Maybe you just come by to see an old friend. 
Hmm, doesn't sound like me. <laughs> and as they're leaving, uh, Robin's sort of uh, taken aback, asking Bruce if there's a list of other people that he needs to know about that knows Bruce's identity. And Bruce mentions uh, kind of a, in an offhand comment that uh, he tries to keep his circle close. He doesn't like relying on the help of others. Uh, put that one in your cap and uh, and uh, and for a uh, or put it on the back burner and think about that as we go along here in the episode. But uh, they're really setting up Batman to have this second guessing as to whether or not he trusts or needs others help as uh, as he goes along here. So as uh, <laughs> as we get this uh, back and forth between the two of them, we cut back to inside of the the Wayne Enterprises. Uh, technology center and uh wouldn't you know it a strange figure enters and we we kind of only see it from lucius's uh we only see lucius lucius reacting to it but somebody has entered that is not uh not permitted to be in that area he's shocked he gets attacked and then replacing him is uh someone that looks just like lucius so we're left uh left with a bit of a cliffhanger there as to just what exactly is going on so we next cut to the gotham city docks where robin and batgirl appear to be on a stakeout uh observing some standard looking bad guys uh, who are unloading a shipment from a ship uh they're up to no good they believe they're up to no good and uh, before they can kind of observe just exactly what is going on Robin and Batgirl jump into action, taking down some of the villains and quickly uh, actually getting overpowered. But uh, thankfully, Batman is there to swoop in and save the day. But uh, he's very quick to point out that uh, they rushed headstrong in. He's not too happy about it. He wanted uh, to kind of lay low and find out if they could get more information about what was going on, what type of uh, type of work that they were doing, what they were up to specifically. But instead, uh, they have to kind of play guesswork at this point and work with the police. Uh, and uh, Robin and Batgirl are, are kind of dejected and feel like, uh, you know, maybe they've been read the riot act and aren't aren't too happy with regards to uh, Bruce's comment about maybe maybe it would be better off if he started working. Guess they weren't so ordinary after all. Maybe they were those super strong zombie thugs. We would have had them if you'd waited. Look. I know being a costume crime fighter means never having to say I'm sorry. But, yeah, we're sorry. No, it's my fault. Maybe I've been relying on you two more than I should. This never happened when I worked alone. Uh, so we uh, we get a cut to the next scene as we see uh, there was a, a net full of cargo that was dropped nearly on robin batgirl and batman which allowed some of the uh the villains to escape uh and uh batman uh, is standing there talking with a brand new detective who's wearing a a nice fedora and long jacket a detective john jones who's uh who's discussing with batman uh the the wayne industries uh, uh crates that were there and saying that they would like to investigate further as to what just was in the crates but they needed to get additional information from bruce wayne batman says that he thinks he can probably get uh get their his permission and john sort of knowingly says yes i'm sure you can as he walks away and disappears into the mist but uh yeah so we that kind of leaves Batman kind of stroking his chin also as he doesn't quite uh, hasn't had the opportunity to work with this detective John Jones. And uh, he does manage to take one of the items back to the Batcave uh, with him where he and Robin and Batgirl kind of begin their uh, attempt to figure out just what's in the box, as uh, someone <laughs> famously once said in a movie. And uh, while Batman himself tries to do a little digging to figure out just who this Detective John Jones is. It's a new project. Wayne Tech Research really paid off this time. We've developed whole new metals, hybrids. It's pretty exciting if you're into metallurgy. That's the reason for the extra shipping. I thought that project was still at the development stage. It is, but the development is requiring some supplies. Really, there's nothing you need to worry about. You should have those crates sent back here unopened. Send them back unopened. I see. Well, thank you. Keep working. 
Commissioner Gordon vouched for Detective Jones, and his records from Denver check out. But there's nothing before Denver, like he didn't exist. Hey! He, he calls uh, Lucius from the Batcave, looking to see if Lucius can si- uh, shine any light, of course, not realizing that Lucius has already been replaced by a uh, mysterious imposter. And uh, Lucius tells him nothing to worry about, and you should send all the crates back unopened. Very I nice. Love, I love that. Yes, just send them back. Don't bother opening them. Don't look inside the box. Just, just, just send them to me. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. It's, it's like the most suspicious way. Yep. It's like that scene in Attack of the Clones where Obi Wan <laughs> finds Jango Fett on the on the clone world, <laughs> and like in the middle of their conversation when they're like two feet apart. He like says something to little Boba Fett to close the cap to close the closet door. Right. And you see the Django Fett armor sitting in the closet. Right. Maybe he clearly sees it. He's like, at this point, why are we bothering? Like, right. Why keeping up the why keep up the charade at all? But uh, but yes, regardless, uh, Robin and Batgirl open the crate and find a little uh, a little uh, very alien looking technology, which they clear, quickly figure out. Robin quickly figured out is some sort of hover hoverboard uh, uh it's clearly not from this earth and so batman decides he's going to go out and find this detective jones who seemed to know a little bit more about this scenario than he was letting on not only does he not was he not letting on but as he did the research he also was like simultaneously doing research right. on detective jones to see if he could dig up some of his past he mentions that now commissioner, I don't think we've gotten to the point in the series or reviewed an episode before, perhaps where he was elevated to commissioner status, but uh, Jim Gordon is now commissioner of Gotham and he vouched for Detective Jones, but the research that Batman did only led him to a past in uh, in Colorado and there was nothing else before he mentions it's as if he never existed before then. That's right. This this is actually part of the episode that I had I had certainly forgotten. It's been several years since I'd seen this one. But that uh, all you really know, like it, like you don't necessarily realize that there are robots yet, mm-hmm. as, well, as we'll get to. So all you know is there's somebody that looks like other people that is that is replacing humans. And you're like, OK, so if you didn't know, obviously, you if you know the comics and you know Detective John Jones is the alias of superhero Martian Manhunter. Mm-hmm. Then that makes sense but at, at at this point in the story if you look at this with completely fresh eyes it does feel like you're setting up uh this mysterious detective to actually be the bad guy yeah. which i think is a pretty neat or at least in on it in some way yeah no i'm, and, uh, I'm with you that's it that was an interesting plot device for sure yeah so and uh and that's uh that's side of batman decides he's gonna go pay a visit to this detective jones and uh, remarks that he's going to do it alone as uh, he keeps kind of making little remarks that he's he's kind of grown frustrated with his partner seemingly and that he didn't have uh, he didn't have all of these issues before when he when he worked alone before this so he doesn't want to have to rely on too many uh, additional uh, partners it seems so as he uh, as he finds uh, he goes into uh, John Jones's apartment he comes uh, he comes across what seems like a normal apartment he hears a a television on in the next room and he slowly opens the door and we get a scene that's directly uh, taken from the uh, Darwin Cook uh, Justice League New Frontier mm-hmm. comic. Uh, brilliant scene uh, as, uh, as, as, uh, as John Jones is watching television and every time uh, the channel changes and a new face appears, so does the, uh, the face of the person in the chair change. As we see John uh, practicing his shape shifting, seemingly, and uh, finally he notices Batman in the room, and it becomes very clear that uh, the jig is up, so to speak. And he then reveals his form as the Martian Manhunter, and uh, Batman, being uh, not exactly the most trusting guy, immediately slaps the cuffs on him, which I think is <laughs> incredibly funny. You've just seen this guy change shape like ten times, and. Uh, we're just gonna throw handcuffs on him, but uh, of course, John, uh, John, not too, uh, not too happy about that idea. Uh, quickly removes the cuffs and uh, decides that he's not sure he can trust Batman either. And so the uh, the chase is on. The fisticuffs are on. As uh, as we get a, we'll talk about this more in visuals, I'm sure. But uh, the next few minutes of, of John sort of chasing or, or getting chased by Batman 
through various modes, first on the ground, and then after he flies away, we find out that uh, we find out we see the the incursion of the bat plane, which uh, is a tie fighter in this show. I yeah. had uh, forgotten that. <laughs> Me too. So uh, we get a get a very fun chase scene. We'll talk about that in visuals, but eventually. They, uh, he's able to kind of ground the Martian long enough for them to have a conversation and they take it to uh, to where else but a local diner to uh, to finally have it out and uh, we get the origins not only of John but of uh, what exactly is coming their way. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Thanks. So, alien. All my life. Telekinesis. Neat party trick. How heavy can the object be? I could lift you and your best friend. That is, if you have one. You miss being back home on Mars? I never said I was Martian. Never had to. Martians hate fire. How do you know anything about Martians? I've dedicated my life to studying all fields of knowledge, no matter how obscure, including thousands of years of recorded human encounters with extraterrestrials, the Mayans, ancient Egyptians, crop circles. I could teach a college course on Martians, except I always filed them away under urban legends. Like alligators in the sewers. I fought them too. Why'd you run? You might have exposed me, turned me over to the authorities. I can't allow that, not now. Guess we both guard our secrets fiercely. Batman through all all the dialogue that they have, which to normal people, uh, I don't know. The dialogue in this scene reminded me something straight out of uh, Batman sixty six. Absolutely, just the innate nature that Batman has to uncover uh, little hints and clues, and uh, we learn that Batman is an expert on Martians. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> having a course on them he says that's, that's right he he could teach a course he had now while previously he had chalked it up to urban legends now of course i i guess you could you could look at this in two ways i'm pretty sure that uh in the timeline for the batman show at this point he's already fought dracula at some point true <laughs> um he's fought as as he mentions in the dialogue he's fought uh living crocodile men uh he's fought clayface uh, so it's not as if he ha- he hasn't had uh, a- an interactions with odd, strange, or uh, you know, uh, weird characters. So I-, I guess chalking something up to an urban legend almost sounds like he's stupid. <laughs> Makes him stupid. <laughs> but then you follow that up with an immediate an immediate comment where he talks about how he's an expert on martians he knows that that jean it must be a martian jean doesn't confirm and says that he never said that he was a martian but batman deduces by the fact that jean has side eye towards a grill that is happening or a grill that's turned on in the diner (laughs) Uh, that he must be afraid of fire and therefore fire is a huge vulnerability based on all of the research that he's done of crop circles and Aztecs. And he throws some other like rando mumbo jumbo in their uh, UFO uh-huh, uh-huh. studies that he's done that, uh, yeah, that he must be a Martian. And uh, Jean doesn't, uh, Jean doesn't deny at this point, but they sort of do the, the full breakdown here. Jean reveals that he's well aware that Bruce Wayne is Batman and he deduced it by reading his mind. Batman then goes on to show that not only can, uh, can Jean can, uh, to, to prove that Jean can read minds, but also that Batman is able to, to manipulate his thoughts to create a thought that actually blocks what he's actually thinking about <laughs> that conjures up an image so he can block Jean's mind reading, which I'm sure will probably have something to do in. So how'd you two. figure out Batman was Bruce Wayne? Read your mind. Hmm. Something wrong? No, it's just, that's cheating. Read my mind now. What? You heard me. 
You're thinking of a dog you owned as a boy. Location of the Batcave. I distinctly saw... A mental image I conjured up to block my real thoughts. A trick I picked up from some Tibetan monks. Anyone ever tell you you're a little paranoid? My partners all the time. I'm stunned. You have partners? I do. Though sometimes I wonder if things might be easier without them. You may need all the help you can get with what's coming. And I've done my homework, Bruce. It is coming. Make no mistake. What is? Something big. Maybe too big for the Batman to handle alone. Why don't you just tell me what you know and let me decide what the Batman can handle alone? I'm not the only thing from outer space that's come to Gotham. But right now, I'm the only thing that can stop it. Stop what? Invasion. Alien invasion. Uh, we learned that Jean can levitate things with his telekinesis. Uh, through the conversation, he reveals that he can carry at least two people, <laughs> which is immediately paid off. Uh-huh, uh-huh. In this episode. Uh, it's a lot of exposition of who people are, what people's powers are, and, uh, and little breadcrumbs that are almost immediately paid off. Uh, in the storyline here, as uh, as we learn, uh, Jean Jean does reveal at that point though that this uh, this invading force known as the Joining, which is basically just AI, right? Yep. It's, uh, Very it's, topical. It's it's a technological uh, advanced technologically advanced species or being. It's essentially one mega computer that it's, it's uh, the Borg from Star Trek, or right. you know any any number sort of, of like Brainiac too, right? Like right, that, right. Or, yeah, the, except uh, with the, a, the more of a reapers. biological aspect of it, I guess. Yes, they're like the the Reapers from the Mass Effect games. Yeah, any any good sci fi uh, franchise has their uh, their super AI assimilating uh, alien force out there somewhere. Yeah. So there, yeah, it's it by by now it's sort of old hat, but uh, here you're kind of bringing that into this Batman universe, and Batman, to his credit, does not blink an eye. Uh, he uh, he's interested at that point just to know what what uh, technology they are interested in uh, in obtaining. So he decides he needs to go see Lucius Fox. He and John show up to Lucius's home. He opens the door. And of course, uh, we are well aware that somebody or something has replaced uh, replaced Lucius at this point. But Batman isn't aware. But uh, as the door opens, uh, he's greet he greets both John, uh, John and uh, Batman. And uh, Batman says he needs to ask some questions. But before any questions can be asked, John kicks his head off, literally, and it's revealed that he is a robot. And uh, we we get the robot replicants, and that's kind of what we're we're aiming for here. Apparently, the the technology is going to replace all humans with replicants. So we get a little bit of hard act, I guess, in there too, uh, mm-hmm. except for a different moral reason. This is for uh, world domination, not just uh, not just replacing humans to prevent errors from occurring. So uh, a little bit different there. We uh, we get a fun scene where where Batman and Jean ride in the Batmobile with a, a strapped, the strapped in replicant of Lucius Fox in the back, holding his own head as they get back to the Batcave. And uh, Bruce wants to see if they can reattach or at least re uh, rehook up the head to get some additional information as to just where the real Lucius might be, as well as additional plans. Batgirl and Robin walk in on Jean standing in the uh, in the Batcave and sort of wonder just who is this? Why how, why are they allowed in the Batcave? Uh, as uh, as Batman and Jean both question the robotic head that's uh, now attached, it's kind of like uh, that character in Futurama, right? Isn't uh, isn't isn't there a <laughs> character that's just a is it uh, Richard Nixon that's just a head in a jar? And- yeah, there's a lot of like celeb like wacky celebrities that basically get get put heads in jars. But yeah, I believe the president. In, in Futurama is Richard Nixon's head in a jar. If I'm not oh, mistaken. We get we get all we get all kinds of like shout outs to sci-fi uh sci-fi series here, both uh serious and comedy. So uh we get uh, the talking head on the table of Lucius's robot replicant reveals that Lucius is still alive. They're keeping him alive for information, but of course there's a time limit on this and that his usefulness will eventually come to an end and they'll be looking to eliminate him. <laughs> I can't believe this. Really? Because robot heads? Well, that's totally what I'm expecting on a Wednesday. 
And this guy, just some guy waltzing into the Batcave, didn't have a blindfold on or anything. Robin, I think we should be focused on the robot head. Lucius is still alive. You're certain. If you're trying to nod, you need a neck. He's alive. The real Lucius is being held at the Wayne Industries factory. We are using him for information, but soon he will no longer be helpful. So Jean and Batman decide they're going to head back to Wayne Enterprises uh, since that was the last place that Bruce saw Lucius and believes that he might be still be there. Uh, we also, of course, learned that part of the plan of the the joining, as they're called, is they're going to amass as much technolo- uh, technology as possible and uh, so that they can they can take over the world. So where where else would they go? But probably. Uh, Wayne Enterprises, who's developing all of this stuff. Bruce also learned that uh, in that uh, in that uncovering of these uh, trafficked items at the docks, that uh, the police believed that he had that things had been coming in and out for quite some time and trafficked by Wayne Enterprises. So uh, it all points back to there as he heads back to the warehouse. Uh, he and Jean together travel back. Again, leaving behind Batgirl and Robin to sit on the floor eating a pile of cookies, wondering uh, just how many replicants could be out there as they look over their shoulder and see Alfred dusting off the the robot replicant, (laughs) headless body of the Lucius replicant. And they start to wonder aloud if perhaps Alfred himself could be a robot based on all the characteristics of the robot replicants. Alfred mentions, however, uh, he's not a replicant and there will be severe repercussions to both of them should they uh, <laughs> should they attempt to kick his head off. No more scones. That's right. Absolutely. So uh, this leads uh, back to back to Batman and Martian Manhunter. It leads them back to uh, Lucius where they discovered he's been tied up. They break him out. And uh, Lucius tries to warn them, said that he's not worth it, that uh, much something much bigger is at hand as a an army of space ships, question mark, begin to form and sort of uh, sort of come from the depths of Wayne Enterprises breaking free. They line up sort of in a in a uh, in a flight pattern all looking at Batman. Thankfully, Martian Manhunter can levitate, if you recall, up to mm-hmm. two people at a time. <laughs> and uh, he begins flying out of the... And in, uh, case you for, in case you didn't understand that's what was happening, he repeats, I told you I could lift, lift <laughs> you and your best friend if I had to. <laughs> Just really like, you know, it's... They're I hammered. know writers who use subtext, and they're all cowards. <laughs> they're all cowards. <laughs> yeah, so he he and uh, and Lucius and Batman do manage to escape, but uh, as they are, as they leave Wayne Enterprises, uh, as so do the all of the alien starfighters begin to leave and uh, crash through the roof, and uh, we see that uh, it's basically at this point not how or where the the uh, the spaceships are going they're going to anywhere vulnerable they're taking over the entire earth and we get our to be continued uh, text lay overlay uh, as we uh, we call the end of this week's episode liam i i will say as we get into the breakdown of our plot scores here for this episode at least not the entirety of both parts but for this episode uh i think there was some I think there was almost too much uh, 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 neon arrows pointing to everything that was immediately paid off. Yeah, I think if you're gonna do if you're gonna do subtext, if you're gonna do plot points, you got to give them some breathing room before they get paid off. The stuff just felt too on the nose. I did not like the dialogue that, I, like I said, it felt right out of Batman sixty six. And while this show was a little bit more lighthearted. I'd say at times than than uh, Batman the Animated Series or the DCAU Batman. It's not it's not a comedy. It's the, there's comic relief yeah. in Robin and and I guess Batgirl in some some ways, but it's not. Bruce isn't the 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 buffoon like we're we're not. It's not it's <laughs> not it's not the the '66 Batman or even the the Silver Age Batman where he's completely not self-aware of himself. This is this is supposed to be a serious take on Batman and the fact that that whole dialogue about him spouting off about his knowledge of Marsh of Martians, I I just laughed at it. I was I was like that is that's not good. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> but I will say the rest of the episode for what they had to do, you're setting up a lot. I do like 
you're really hammering at home. I didn't think that you had to hammer at home as hard as they did, but uh, maybe you could have set it up earlier in the season and made this the payoff, but really hammering home the idea that Batman isn't a team guy. He he's having second guesses about being a team guy, which I feel like goes against maybe my recollection of what this whole season was about, which was you bring in Robin, you bring in Batgirl in season three. Um, and then season four is them kind of, fighting crime as a team together. I don't remember too much acrimony or Batman second guessing throughout the season. So it kind of just feels out of nowhere. I know why, because the rest of this episode, and then you're setting up your next season, which is going to be all team ups between right. Batman and, uh, and some other heroes, but it, it just kind of feels like it's, it's kind of forced in uh, and shoehorned in here. So uh, overall, I ended up giving plot for this episode, just a five out of 10. Um, I know it's a tough task to bring in a, a brand new character. You're bringing, you know, you're trying to set up a bunch of things, but it very much feels like um, almost what the DC uh, cinematic universe did or whatever you want to call it. The Snyderverse tried to do, which was jam pack all of these little things into a store, mm-hmm. into one single story so that they could hurry up and get to the, to the big crossover part. Right. setting up the the seeds which kind of tells a story and makes it make more sense over a long period of time yeah i think i think that's fair i uh i i like the overall skeleton of this i like the the way it's kind of introduced little piece by piece you know you see lucius get replaced right at the start you see this mysterious technology this new detective in town i like that they kind of thought up there's always as we've talked about before uh you know there's always the two superheroes meet for the first time they got a punch for a bit before they're uh before they're friends batman v martian manhunter dawn of justice is what this right so could be called <laughs> absolutely and so i think they they tried to come up with a better justification i would say for why they didn't trust each other right off the bat as opposed to just doing it because i mean we all know the reason because it's cool to watch two superheroes fight each other but uh, sometimes it, the, the justifications for these fights are not always the strongest. So, And it does still suffer from that feeling of like, well, if these two just kept talking instead of punching, then <laughs> they probably could have resolved this in about 30 seconds. But Yeah, I, but, get, I get why Batman doesn't trust Martian Manhunter. That's right. Batman. But Martian Manhunter can literally read Batman's mind. He knows, like, he can... He, that's why I yeah, think his, yeah, his justification being like, well, I was afraid you wouldn't trust me and you would capture me and turn me over to the authorities and then it would be too late. I don't, I, don't, I guess it, it's a, like I said, it's, it's okay. They came, they tried to justify it, but really, obviously the end justification is we wanted to see Batman and Martian Manhunter fight. So, and then, uh, I mean, it does, it does feel like you're ramping up the scale. I will say the, the, the final little bit in the diner there where he, he says the word invasion for the first time and, you know, and, and sort of everything kind of grinds to a halt. There is uh, I think is they try to put some weight behind that. It does feel like for this show, this is the, you know, the biggest threat that Batman's ever faced. So they, they do try to add some scale to it. And I think they do a decent job of building to it. But uh, yeah, I think uh, like you said, Cal, we'll give our final scores next week when we cover part two, but my, uh, my tentative score right now, I think I'd be sitting around a uh, a five as well. Here we go. Yeah, we'll 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 see how they make up for it in part two. Uh, I imagine there's probably going to be a lot of fighting and uh, punching, so uh, we'll see if that makes up for it. Because there was a lot of dialogue, a lot of dialogue mm-hmm. in this episode. I did miss one part, by the way, that was very very important that I also laughed at, and that is within the first uh, two minutes, the dialogue between Lucius Fox and Robin. Uh, he mentions that he works on the shadow tech technology for for Batman, which that had to be one of the toy lines, right? It, it's literally the name of the one of the toy lines. Yep. I was <laughs> like, they worked in the toy. line. <laughs> Way to go, guys. Yep. There's a whole shadow tech series. Great job. Uh, yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's move on to our next category, Liam, which is going to be animation and visuals. And as you mentioned, Dong Wu responsible for this week's animation and visuals with direction by uh, Anthony Chun or Anthony Chan, if I'm apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, and then uh, written by uh, Jane Espens- Espenson and Douglas uh, Petrie. 
Um, what'd you like about the visuals uh, and uh, anything that you, uh, I guess let's start with uh, the differences since we just talked about them last week, this visual representation of John Jones slash the Martian Manhunter versus our classic DCAU look. Very good way to start it. Uh, one, I'll talk about his alter ego first. We never got really got to see a, there is like a default Jean disguise. He uses a few times in comfort mm-hmm. and joy and, that I think is based on this detective John Jones alter ego from the comics, but mm-hmm. we never really got to see that. So I love the idea. It doesn't really fit because this Batman, this, the Batman world isn't like, uh, you know, so steeped in like a specific era of fashion or, right. you know, but like he steps, it literally looks like he stepped out of like a 1930s, like pulp, Yep. you know comic strip like he's a dick tracy character or something he's got the overcoat and the and the fedora and the pulled down and the the big strong jawline and everything like so i, I love that john jones you know walking out of the fog the first time you see him like like it's so uh moody and 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 so uh so retro i love that and then yeah the jean design the first thing i noticed about the jean design because it is it's pretty faithful to you know this series uh, version of uh you know of a of the classic martian manhunter look uh except for one thing and that is that uh we're covering up more of the thighs he's got like a bike short instead of a uh instead of the the underpants on this yeah. one yeah he's and, got the compression and, shorts that's right and uh and then uh, i think that the capes maybe the cape and the collar maybe a little bigger and uh, and then he's got a he's, his head's kind of small though right he's got like a very pronounced and jagged jawline huge but, chin real Jay Leno looking yes absolutely <laughs> but uh, but not not a but a, kind of a small head for his his big body he's like all torso yep yeah yeah and he's got real long legs uh, real broad mm-hmm. shoulders I mean it's the kind it's kind of the style of this show right I mean they did do some changes uh, I think we talked about mm-hmm. maybe the last time we reviewed an episode there were some changes between the earlier seasons uh, and the later seasons where they kind of squared things up a little bit more and they were a little less angular mm-hmm. but the characters are much more shaped like uh, I would say like a um, like an hourglass, uh, like broad shoulders, tiny in the middle, uh, wide mm-hmm. at the legs. Like it's kind of how, how most of the characters are shaped or, or an X almost. Um, so this kind of fits that. I would say the more exaggerated features uh, are a little bit uh, are a little bit different. The bike shorts, as we mentioned, but yeah, I think, I think overall the aesthetic fits, it works. Uh, it looks like the same character you're used to just, I think in this, particular style or universe i i think that the adaptation is perfectly okay yeah absolutely i think it's a yeah i think overall it's, it, it fits perfectly within within this show's framework but uh yeah as far as the big visual stuff as you said not a lot of action in this episode um you do get the little bit with robin and batgirl trying and failing to take down the thugs before batman comes swooping in i did like that sequence a little bit um and then you get the, uh, I think, I guess the majority of it is, as mentioned, Batman's flying around in Darth Vader's tar- TIE fighter, <laughs> and uh, and he's chasing Martian Manhunter all over the city. That's kind of fun. Some of the, I wasn't overly impressed with, like, the shape-shifting uh, effect. They, it feels like a lot of, like, uh, like, they'll cut to the to Batman watching him change, and then he'll be changed. Right, yeah. Um, which, maybe that's a budget thing. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think overall, like he definitely doesn't, you know, move like it feels like Jean moves a little differently. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't fight exactly like Batman either. So there's there's something unique about about the way he, the action I think works in that that final bit. But they're yeah you know, they're fighting like inanimate lasers and like a crane thing. So it's not it's not the most uh, action packed sequence. There's a really cool shot where they're. Like they both take like a running start and then like jump down onto a building below towards the end when they're when they're going to infiltrate pain industries that I think is that's maybe the the coolest single shot of the episode of our our two heroes in action. Yeah, I'd say uh, I'd say yeah. With the lack of if the lack of actual fisticuffs, I think you're looking at that that chase scene was pretty entertaining. Um, I will mention the show does use uh, CGI 
for its uh, ships and vehicles and uh I, they did the the cell shading over it you can you can tell of course when the sh- when they're moving the the movement on mm-hmm. those cgi uh cgi ships always looks a little bit uh awkward or out of place but overall uh they blended them in pretty well they weren't weren't uh weren't as much of an eyesore as i as i tend to point out um i you mentioned it when we were discussing the plot but i love the homage uh, to the new frontier scene uh, yes. of uh, of Darwin Cook's uh, personification of of John Jones, kind of learning about uh, culture on Earth as he's watching television, and that whole character kind of absorbs what he can through watching TV. And the fact that he homo- they homage that directly as he his face keeps changing and then eventually changes into this giant cartoony dog at the end. I loved that. Uh, so you have. Uh, yeah, that that homage was, uh, you know, that I think that that in and of itself added an extra point for me, just uh, as a as an appreciation and a nod to the the legend that that was and is Darwin Cook. Um, but yeah, o- overall, there's there's not a ton um, a, a ton of visually interesting. I mean, the the fight that happens at the warehouse is basically robots, but the robots they aren't like mech suit robots; they're just kind of machines. So I didn't think that I thought that was an opportunity for them. And, and maybe in, in part two, we get a little bit more exploration into what the joining, how it manifests itself in a different way. But this was essentially it taking over the manufacturing robots, it felt like. So it wasn't really that visually interesting for the for the battle sequence there in the in the culmination of this episode. Um so yeah, uh overall I, I do think that uh that John, the chase scene, uh the bat plane tie fighter was certainly a, a pleasant surprise that I enjoyed. Uh the the I cackled at the visual of the of the Lucius Fox robot strapped in in the Batmobile. Like they put him <laughs> in the back seat and he has his head in his lap. <laughs> Very funny. I laughed at that. That was great. And the way that they framed that shot. Um and uh I, I think I think the scene, even though the dialogue was goofy, the scene in the diner between Jean and Bruce sitting at the table and the way that they they kind of cut back and forth between their faces looking at each other and then they would do kind of a, a side profile of them both looking at each other. The waitress that keeps coming over and trying to interrupt them in, uh, in their conversation. Uh, all of that I thought was done really, really well and really added to that noir hero feeling of what they were trying to kind of get across with, with, uh, with Jean. So uh, I really enjoyed that overall, a a pretty solid effort. Nothing. I I think that stood out as being super dynamic or, or, or really incredible, but uh, I I did end up with a seven out of 10 for my score for animation and visuals. Yeah, I went, uh, I went uh, seven out of 10 as well for me. So yeah, I think it's uh I think it's there's definitely building blocks and some interesting stuff, but not a not a ton of action to sink your teeth into. But uh yeah, we'll we'll see uh, how this holds up next week. There we go. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next part, which is music. And forgive me, I did not make a note of the music when you said it at the top. Uh who did our music for this week? We have Thomas Chase uh, credited with the music for this week. Okay. Um, so you, we talked about this when we last reviewed the Batman, when we did the Bane episode and then, uh, in, in prior episodes as well that we've covered, but music doesn't play, uh, uh, too strong of a role here other than the sort of refrains that play to sort of punctuate a scene or punctuate dialogue, which is usually just a, a guitar riff that mm-hmm. comes in, um, but I will say that they did, it did seem to, to be used to sort of accentuate in, uh, in different parts. They, they did do more traditional uh, soundtracking. I felt like for this, for different parts, I think Robin and Batgirl, when they jump into action, there's sort of a variation of the theme song that gets played. Was this the same uh, theme song from season three or is, was there another change between three and four? I forget. Uh, yeah, no. So th- season three on is when we had this, uh, this like dancey techno okay. semi Adam West theme inspired uh, feet. Okay. So it's the same theme, but that theme was sort of homaged in this entry as Batgirl and Robin jump into action. You could hear the sim- similar notes played in different keys and, 
uh, out of key. And then uh, I think the, the refrain that plays throughout to punctuate the, the different dramatic moments feels right for this, for this show. It doesn't feel like they overuse it too much, but it is effective when used. Um, and then I think the, the battle scene, the reveal of the, of the joinings army of, of ships at the end, as Jean and Batman uh, are kind of coming to grips with the idea that this invasion has started and they're beginning to kind of take over the world as we get our to be continued. I thought that punctuated well overall, though, not, not a lot that stood out for me as a, as a strong or, or important musical part, not to say that it's bad. It just, it, if this show doesn't focus on that as much as uh, some of the other shows that we cover. So uh, I went with uh, still though, a six out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I went with uh, just a five out of ten, uh, middle of the road. Yeah, I think I think they they do add a little bit extra, but as you said, music is kind of used for these little these little refrains to punctuate the scenes, and it's not bad. It's just it's just different than what uh, I think we're used to with our, our main shows that we cover. So excited to see if uh, if next week uh, brings that up a little bit. There we go. All right, Liam, let's uh, wrap up this week's episode with our final category of the week, and that of course is going to be voice acting all right so we'll kick things off here uh with a couple of uh a couple of of the smaller voices in the episode we had uh, alistair duncan playing alfred pennyworth uh so alistair of course uh Liam, we've talked a bit a bit he doesn't have a big role in this episode but uh we did we do mention whenever we have the opportunity to talk about uh uh, Mr. Duncan, his portrayal of Alfred outside of hashtag my Alfred uh, mm-hmm. might be might be the very best. It's certainly in the conversation. It is a Absolutely. different type of Alfred uh, than than uh, than our than maybe the the standard Alfred that we're used to in uh, in Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. But it is his take on it and feels very authentic. And he's had the opportunity to play Alfred in several different iterations and uh, is always a, a solid performance. He has a, more of a comedic role in uh, in this episode, but uh, still still very strong, I, I felt, in that uh, minor part. Absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, I, I adore his Alfred. I think he's I think he's just fantastic in the role absolutely and we'll continue here as we go through some of our more minor roles here as we also have uh danielle judovitz as batgirl uh not a huge part for her but definitely playing uh again i don't think we've covered an episode yet that featured her at least Mm -hmm. i don't remember us doing that so uh her her first introduction here uh as we see her uh, playing off of uh, a robin uh, miss judovitz uh has done some some other voice work she was in uh toy story as uh apparently the burned rag doll i guess that was one of sid's <laughs> sid's, uh, sid's uh you know the hurt toys but uh, done a lot of uh other voice work she was in final fantasy 7 uh the remake uh, saints row a lot of a lot of stuff in uh in uh in the video game industry but like definitely uh, a name uh, definitely a voice when you hear it you're like oh i've heard this you're I've right heard it before precisely yeah so uh you know i think she she plays certainly a different background than the one that we're used to i would say uh she plays off of uh evan sabara who's uh who's playing robin and dick dick grayson we talked about him uh you know spy kids fame spy kids three the Mm -hmm. polar express um you know obviously a lot here with with the batman but playing off of him um i think they have more of a sibling rivalry it almost feels like and i feel like their chemistry uh for that type of of uh brother sister relationship here kind of works for uh for what they're going for yeah absolutely that's that definitely feels the the vibe here it's very much this uh this makeshift family where you have like Alfred as the as the grandfather and 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 Bruce is the dad and then and then the the two kids here that are always getting into scraps and always uh always fighting with each other. So yeah, they they play off each other very well. Absolutely. Uh, again, not a, not huge roles for them this week, but as we mentioned at the top, introduced to this uh to this particular series in this episode is of course Lucius Fox and he is voiced by Louis Gossett Jr who uh, is probably best known for his role. Uh, he played, uh, he was in Roots, he was in Jaws yes. 3, and uh, an officer and a gentleman. So uh, yeah, Like so a pretty- proper actor, actor. Like, yeah. oh my goodness. Like, when I saw that name, I was like, is that 
D Luke. Like that's just one of those names that I feel like is burned into your brain as like an actor when you're uh, like, yeah. like a classic actor, like a Turner classic movies actor. And it's like, my God, yes, it was. He also uh, had a pretty big role. It looks like in the, uh, the Watchmen live uh, TV series for HBO that came out a few years ago. Also. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a as you mentioned, a uh, a recognizable voice, a, probably a, a character actor that you would look at and see, and you'd, you'd recognize him uh, if you if you Google him. But uh, I I think for what he was tasked with doing, I don't know if they directed him to do a uh, to to do a, a Lucius Fox voice uh, in in the way that in a Morgan Freeman style, or or if he was just kind of directed to give his own. But I I thought he put his own spin on it, especially if they were mm-hmm. trying to if they were trying to directly homage the Nolan films. Uh, I felt like he differentiated himself at least enough and put his own spin on the character. I, I feel like his interaction with Bruce at the beginning and then even at the uh, with Batman at the end of the episode was was pretty strong. And he has to play a robot version of him. I was going to say uh, that that might be the most fun part. Of- when he's like <laughs> when he's uh just ahead and he's like taunting the uh taunting batman and john in the bat cave might be my favorite part yeah uh, pretty strong uh pretty strong thus far from him as well and then we'll get to our main events here of course playing the batman is reno romano well-known voice actor we've gone into his credits many 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 times lots of voice acting spider-man uh, and spider-man the video game lots of voice acting work for different video games uh, really a who, who's who's list. Uh, and uh, in case you didn't know, the narrator on the Curious George television show also apparently the animated series of, of Curious George. So uh, as I mentioned, dialogue choice aside, uh, he 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 gives a typical Reno Romano Batman performance, I think, for this uh, for this show. I didn't find too many faults or, or any issues with uh, with what he turned in for this episode. Um, he, you know, it is, I think, going up against, uh, you know, the, the people that he has to to have chemistry with in this episode. I don't know that the chemistry necessarily shines through, but maybe that was on purpose. We could chalk that up to because he's mistrusting of uh, of Jean. They didn't seem to have his uh, be on the same page, but uh, I think it's fine. It's a it's a decent it's a decent uh, turn in here for what was asked for the first episode. And even even, uh, you know, him trying to explain and, and try and wrestle with this idea of of not not wanting to have to rely on other people or especially work in a team anymore. Um, I think as goofy as we talked about maybe starting the premise in this episode was for that. I, I, I thought he pulled it off. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think he does a good job there. And yeah, I think as you said, the, the dialogue, maybe not assisting him a lot, but yeah, I think setting up the idea of him trying, that's, that's a theme that always comes back to a Batman that has a, a Robin or in some cases, multiple Robins and Batgirls and, and all these, you know, Bat family members that are in the comics and, various animated cartoons and movies and stuff like the idea of him when when thing when the chips are down he sort of his instinct is always to to go back to uh to working alone and you know he has to kind of be reminded of that so be interested to see how that pays off when we uh review part two next week but yeah i think i think he does a good job and then and playing off of uh our our new martian manhunter as well Speaking of, we'll t- tackle him. We saved our main event for last. And that, of course, is a very recognizable voice. Uh, if you've Absolutely. watched any animation at all, it's Mr. Dorian Harewood, uh, known for many, 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 many roles. I think in his acting roles, uh, he was in Full Metal Jacket, but uh, probably best known to us as the voice of War Machine, uh, at That's least right. the, the second voice of War Machine. Uh, he also played Ron Troop. In uh, in Superman in uh, the and, DCAU, and he's uh, Riley in the Forgotten, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely, and uh, maybe most importantly, he was the voice of Taft on the Tick. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we're still going to get <coughs> Elseworlds uh, April Fool's Tick review at some point, and maybe have to review that episode. But yeah, Dorian Harewood t- uh, turning in a uh, a performance for this week. I love Mr. Harewood. I love his voice. I this is just one of those things where I can't unhear War Machine, uh, yeah. you know, as 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 uh, as he delivers every single line. And they're just in the same fashion as uh, 
as I guess Jean does or, or uh, you know, in, in the DCAU, there's no differentiation between his, his, his alien voice or when he's in his alien form and his human form. Uh, so there's, there's, uh, there's no difference there. And, and it's, uh, I, I don't know, I, maybe I would have gone with, uh, with, with something else. So you're going to put him maybe in a modulator or something on his voice a little bit to, just to change it up. If you're going to have that so much time spent in the human form, but that was the choice they went with. I love Mr. Harewood's acting. It's just hard for me to not hear him as the other characters that I know him as, uh, when he's delivering these lines. So I, I would say for the, for what's asked. It's uh, it's he has a little bit more emotion, I would say, than Carl Lumbly's performance as Jean. It's not as nuanced as Carl Lumbly's take on Jean. It's mm-hmm. more of just he's talking, he's having conversations. It's Dorian. It's, a little, it's more like yeah, it's a little steely, like you know, like he's a he's a bad he's a bad dude. Like he's got he's definitely lived a life and has seen a lot of stuff, and he's like he's 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 a tough. Like there's a little bit more like tough guy in his yeah. voice. I feel like than for sure than Mr. Lumbly's take. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think for this this week's episode, again, it was heavy on the dialogue. There was a lot more talking. You had a lot of exposition that needed to be taken care of. New characters being introduced uh, two new characters being introduced uh, in in both uh, in both Lucius Fox and and John, of course. So um, overall, I think everybody did a solid job. I didn't think there was one performance that stood out as really great. I'm interested to see uh, how we balance it out with next week's episode. If I'm guessing, if I'm guessing that there was so much dialogue for for this week's episode that next week's going to be super heavy on the action, uh, so we might not get get the opportunity to sort of uh, move this number up a little bit. But uh, I settled with a seven out of ten so far on my voice acting score. What about you? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I am sitting at the exact same score. Would you believe it? At a uh, at seven out of ten so far for these tentative scores for part one year. Um, yeah, I think everybody's pretty solid. Um, I think you 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 do have the levity from uh, from Robin and Batgirl, Evan Sabar and and Miss and and then yeah, some uh, a lot of heavy lifting by uh, by Mr. Romano and Mr. Harewood. There is there. There's a lot of exposition to get out and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of moving parts of explaining, you know, doing a sort of a Martian Manhunter 101 with, uh, you know, he he doesn't like fire and he's an alien. He could shapeshift, he could, you know, and he's got telekinesis. You have to explain all of his powers and explain who he is and explain who the joining are and what their what their deal is and and all that. So there's a lot of moving parts to it. And I think there's so. The, to make that not boring, considering how much uh, exposition-heavy dialogue there is, is a, a real credit to this uh, this cast. Agreed, and that's uh, reflected in our scores. We'll see. We'll see how much uh, next week's episode affects our final overall scores here. But Liam, so far for this episode, at least, we ended up. Uh, I ended up coming in with a twenty-five out of forty. And I believe I am sitting at a twenty-four out of forty at the moment. So. Yeah, we'll be interested to see how that uh, that shakes out if we uh, we go a few points higher next week for our final scores or if we're sitting here. But hey, since we're watching it next week, I guess we don't really have to talk about rewatchability. You got to watch part one before you watch part two. That's right. We'll make the final judgment <clears throat> in next week's episode as to whether or not you should uh, should give this one a spin. Uh, this one, I b- believe here in the U.S., the Batman is no longer on the Max uh, streaming service. You got to find it. It is. Is it? Is it still on there? All right. Yeah, it's it's on multiples, I think. Ah, uh, okay. It's on. It's I mean, on and as as we know, things are things disappear from Max every other day, though. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it maybe more reliably is available on Netflix at the moment. So there you go. Or if you have one and don't have the other, and you want to check this out, so Always a good idea. Very, very, very interested to see how things pan out next week, Liam. It's been a while since we've seen these episodes, but uh, thank you everybody for joining us for this week's episode as we begin to wrap up. Don't forget, we would love your support for the podcast. There's a couple of different ways you can do that. First of all, check out the show notes. There are two links that we want you to check out there. One is to subscribe with a monthly donation to the podcast. If you feel like buying myself and Liam a coffee monthly, we would greatly appreciate that. There's a link to donate to us directly uh, you can also uh, check out our store there's a link in the show notes as well to that buy yourself a piece of merchandise and get something for your dollar we appreciate that as well uh, you can also support us in a myriad of non-monetary ways that we appreciate 
just as much. And that is uh, supporting us on social media, following us at DCAU Review. Liam was a little bit under the weather this week, but was still putting out content. God bless him. Uh, so uh, follow us at DCAU Review, both on the uh, website formerly known as Twitter, now known as X at DCAU review and on Instagram, the algorithm loves us again, Liam, our posts are getting out there. Uh, maybe we'll see it reflected in our follower account at some point, but uh, at DCAU review on Instagram as well, Liam, we will be continuing with the joining part two next week. We are certainly very excited uh, to see just how this episode wraps up. It's going to be a fun opportunity to see just where John and Batman can team up. Can they work together? Can they survive and take down this giant AI wannabe, the joining? Tune in next week, Bat fans. Same Bat time, same Bat channel. That's right. It's going to be an exciting conclusion. And uh, yeah, can't wait to, to check it out. This is uh, not one I'd seen in a long time. So uh, that's the, the best part of these Elseworlds, I think, is getting to visit things we haven't seen even longer than the uh, the regular TCU episode sometimes. There you go. All right, but until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.